If you have a copy of God's Word, let me encourage you to turn with me to the book of Galatians, Galatians chapter 6. Let me ask a question. How many of you have ever had to go to the hospital? If you ever had to go to the hospital, raise your hand. Okay, most of us, a lot of us, have had to go to the hospital. And I dare say that none of us enjoyed going to the hospital. And none of us would choose to go to the hospital during our free time. We wouldn't take vacation and say, hey, I, I think I want to take a trip to the hospital. And yet, I believe that hospitals get a bad rap. Now, I know that health care cost is outrageous. And I know that there are health care professionals out there who have little or no compassion. And I know that some of us have experienced doctors or nurses that, that to be honest with you, seemed a little bit inept, didn't seemed to know what they were doing, but if you've ever been sick, if you've ever needed a doctor, and you had a healthcare professional, a doctor or a nurse that was caring, compassionate, was concerned about you, and provided care for you, then you are thankful for a hospital. Now, we may not want to go there, we may not like to go there, but when we're sick, we're glad that we have hospitals because hopefully they nurse us back to health. Now, sometimes when we're in the hospital, the treatment that we get isn't enjoyable. Would you agree? Sometimes the treatment that they have to give is, is painful. Would you agree with that? I mean, sometimes we even have to have surgery. But in the end, when it's all said and done, hopefully we're back on our feet and we're healthy and we're thankful. And in many ways, the church is to do the same thing. Now, not physically, but spiritually. You see, when people get spiritually sick, the church is to be that place where where they find concerned people, caring people, compassionate people that can help restore them back to health. Now, sometimes the treatment plan isn't fun. Sometimes the treatment plan is painful. But in the end, if we've gone through the treatment plan and we're restored, we are thankful. Because that's what the church is supposed to do. And that's what we're going to focus on this morning as we continue our series on the one another's of Scripture. Because you see, as part of the family of God, we have to care for one another because we are family. Now, so far in this series, we've discovered that we're to be devoted to one another. We're to be committed to one another. That means that we are committed to working out our problems rather than walking away from our problems. When people are struggling, we don't walk out, we walk in. So we are devoted to one another. We discover that we are to encourage one another. We are to walk side by side with one another, building one another up as we walk through life. We are to pray for one another, and we should be spending time every day, or at least almost every day, praying for other members of the family of faith. 
We are to accept one another, recognizing that we won't always see eye to eye on every issue, and we can disagree, we can have our own opinions on things, but we can still walk through life together. Last week, we discovered that we are to serve one another. We're to use the unique unique gifts and abilities that God has given us to, to meet the needs of other people. Sometimes, we don't even have to have an ability to meet a need. Anybody can meet the need. There are other times that that to meet that need will require specialized training or, or special skills or unique gifts. And, and if we have those, we're to step in and meet those needs. But this morning, we're moving into an area that I don't think we talk about enough in the church and we certainly don't practice it enough in the church, and that is restoration. We are called to restore one another. Now, the church, the the body of Christ, really is involved in two unique ministries. The first ministry is the ministry of reconciliation. We are called to reconcile the world with God. And we do that through sharing the gospel, the good news about Jesus Christ, that, that Christ died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose again to pay for our sins. We are to share with the world that in spite of our sin, we can be reconciled to God, our Creator. But then there is a ministry that takes place within the church. The ministry of reconciliation takes place outside these walls. But the ministry of restoration takes place with inside these walls as we restore one another. And yet I'm afraid, I'm really afraid, that more often than not, we forget one another. We ignore one another. We even overlook one another. But when it comes to the family of faith, and when it comes to our brothers and sisters in Christ who are spiritually sick, we're called to restore one another. Uh, Listen to what Paul said in Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. He said, brothers, if, if someone is caught in a sin, you who are spiritual should restore him gently. But watch yourself, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, there are three truths that we need to learn from these two verses. The first one is this. Believers are not immune from the temptations of life. Notice what that very first word is, brothers. Believers are not immune from the temptations of life. Paul says, brothers, if someone is caught in sin. Some of us have this idea that that when we give our lives to Christ, we will no longer struggle with sin. But the truth is, nothing could be further from the truth. Paul is talking here about the family of faith, and he says if someone is caught in sin. Pastor and hymn writer Robert Robinson wrote these words in 1757. He said, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. 
prone to leave the God I love. When Robert Robinson was writing those words, he was writing them about believers. We are prone to leave the God we love. Unbelievers don't love God. Unbelievers don't have a relationship with God. But those of us who know him, those of us who have experienced his love, are still prone to leave the God that we love. And that's not just his testimony. That's the testimony of every single believer. Don't ever think that just because you've given your life to Christ, you are immune from the temptations of life. You're not. The reality is our brothers and sisters in Christ are caught up in sin every single day. When Paul uses that that little word, if, he is not expressing doubt that this will happen. He is actually saying that this is a distinct possibility that it will happen. He's not saying that there's this slight chance that you will fall into sin. He is saying that it is a distinct possibility. It is a likely probability that you will see brothers and sisters caught up in sin. It happened to Moses. Moses was called by God to lead God's people out of slavery. And yet in a moment of weakness, Moses killed a man. Brothers, if if you were see someone who was caught up in sin, it happened to David. David was described as a man after God's own heart. And yet in a moment of weakness, he took his eyes off God, he put his eyes on a woman, and he committed adultery with her. And then to try to cover up that sin, he had her husband killed. If someone falls into sin. In the New Testament it happened to Demas. Demas was a man who was evidently very involved in Paul's ministry, his missionary work. And yet we read that Demas abandoned, he deserted Paul because of the cares and because of the pleasures of the world. If someone falls into sin. Even the Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, the things I want to do, I often don't do. The things I don't want to do, I find myself doing. Understand, if you aren't always on guard, if you aren't always on guard, the cares of this world and the pleasures of this world will creep back into your life and they will take you prisoner. So what can you do? You've got to first of all understand that that the same struggles you had before you came to Christ follow you into your life with Christ. It is true that we are saved from the penalty of sin. It is true that Jesus Christ sets us free. But understand the process of being set free practically most oftentimes takes place over a period of time. And so what that means is this. There are those testimonies 
where someone struggled with an issue before they came to Christ. And when they came to Christ, they never had that struggle again. There are those testimonies. But more often than not, what we see is the struggles we had before we came to Christ follow us into our relationship with Christ. It may be alcohol or drugs. It could be pornography or, or some other kind of sexual sin. It could be a struggle with, with low self-esteem or it could be a struggle with out-of-control spending. But chances are, if you had these struggles before you came to Christ, these struggles followed you into your relationship with Christ. And so don't get lazy. Don't get caught off guard. Don't neglect your spiritual disciplines or you are going to find yourself caught in sin. And so what do you need to do? Well, you need to develop a regular systematic prayer life. You need to develop a daily time in the world. In the Word, not the world. In the Word. You need to get involved in accountable relationships, life groups. Someone that, that you can open up to and share your struggles with. Because I'm here to tell you that if you don't do those things, it is a distinct possibility and more likely a probability that you're going to find yourself caught up in sin. But notice next, it's not only a distinct possibility, it is a surprising possibility. That word caught up, it literally means to be caught by surprise. In other words, this person who was caught in sin, they weren't looking to get into sin. They didn't want to get involved in sin. They wanted to be set free. They wanted to walk in holiness, but in a moment of weakness, in a moment of inattention, they got caught. They got trapped in the snare of sin. You need to understand there is a difference between willfully and defiantly choosing to sin and falling into sin in a moment of weakness. The word that is used here in the Greek New Testament, literally describes a person who falls into sin. They aren't choosing it. They aren't willfully rebelling against God. But in a moment of weakness, they take their eyes off God, they sin, and now they find themselves trapped in that sin. That moment of sin has become a stronghold and they can't seem to break free. The hook is so deep that they can't get it out. They can't do it on their own. Now there are times, and we know this, there are times and there are circumstances where we fall into a sin, we confess it, we forsake it, and we move on. But there are other times when, when we get caught in that sin and we cannot break free. And that's what he's talking about here. And the tragedy is, if a person gets caught in this sin and they cannot break free, 
they're going to find themselves discouraged. And they're going to find themselves defeated. And eventually, they're going to end up giving up. So hear me. If you're here this morning, and you were caught in sin, and you've done a really good job of hiding it, stop. Stop it. Because if you continue to hide the sin and try on your own to get out of the sin, you are going to discover that you are getting deeper and deeper and more and more snagged, and you're never going to discover the freedom that God wants you to have. And so ask for help. Give a pastor a call and and say, can we talk? Talk to to one of your, your mature Spiritual friends, but, but get help. So first understand that believers are not immune from the temptations of sin. Next, notice, restoration is the responsibility of the spiritual. Notice what it goes on to say in, in Galatians 1. You who are spiritual should restore him gently. And then it goes on to say, carry each other's burdens. Now it's important to note. That Paul is talking to someone who wants to be free. Paul is talking to someone who wants to be healed. They want to be delivered. He's not talking to someone who has willfully fallen into sin and said, I don't care what God says, I'm going to do what I want to do. He's talking about this person who desperately wants to walk with Jesus and yet can't seem to break free of this sin that they're in. The tragic truth is, Hear me, it's almost impossible to help someone who doesn't want help. I mean, in all too often, we we are trying to help people that don't want our help. When we should be going to those people who want freedom but can't seem to find that freedom. And so what do we do when someone gets caught up in the cares of this world or the sins of this world? Well, the Bible says that we restore them you see each of us have a responsibility to walk with and watch out for one another and when a brother or sister falls or fails we don't kick them we don't forget them we pick them up and we restore them and yet all too often when someone falls into sin or someone falls out of church Either by design or by default, we ignore them. And we eventually forget them. And before long, they're a distant memory. And and we find ourselves saying something like this. Do you remember so-and-so? I wonder what happened to them. Have you ever said that? Have you ever thought that? We can't do that. We're a family. And when someone slips into sin or gets caught up in the cares of this world, we have to restore them. Now, the Greek word restore literally means to mend something that is broken. 
It refers to, to mending a, a net that is torn, or it can refer to mending a broken bone. Now, I've had multiple broken bones, and, and when you have a broken bone, there's one of several things that they most often do. They either set it, put it back where it is quickly. They go in and they operate and they put screws in to, to hold it into place. Or they put it in a brace or a cast so that it will move back in place and it will calcify around it. Now, some of those ways are more painful than others. But understand, whenever a bone is broken, what the doctors want to do and what you want them to do is get that bone back in place so that it will be able to operate the way it was intended to operate. Now, sometimes restoring isn't enjoyable. Sometimes it requires us to do things that we would rather not do. If we are the one being restored, sometimes it may mean that we have to give up freedoms that God has given us because we can't handle those freedoms. But in the end, it's going to be worth it if we're restored. Now, notice something here. We're to restore those who are caught up in sin, but who is the ones who are supposed to restore? Paul says here that restoration is the job of the spiritual. Now, who are these? Well, first of all, it's not the self-righteous. It's not the judgmental. Because the spiritual recognize that we are saved by grace. And it's nothing that we do. Our salvation is a gift from God. And so a spiritual person isn't going to look at someone who falls into sin and think to themselves, Oh my, that poor, weak-willed person. Look what happened to them. I guess I need to come to the rescue. If, if you look at someone who's caught in sin that way, you're not spiritual. Second, it means that they're not carnal. Because when you are spiritual, you're not controlled by the flesh. The reason some of us may still be caught in sin is because we are seeking help from the wrong people. If people are giving you unbiblical advice, you will never experience freedom. The Bible says this, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So who are the spiritual? It's not necessarily those who have been Christians the longest. It's not always those who have had some unusual experience, and therefore they think they are spiritual. Spirituality has to do with your View of life. Tony Evans said it this way. He said, spiritual people look at life with God's perspective and through the lens of God's word. He goes on to say this. They know God's word and apply it to their lives. So spiritual people look at life from God's perspective and they live life from God's perspective. And so people who are looking at life from God's perspective, a biblical worldview, and they are seeking to live life from God's perspective under a biblical worldview, those are the spiritual in life. Now notice how we're to restore. We're to restore gently. 
The last thing a fallen brother or sister needs is for us to pile more guilt up on them. Can I just tell you right now that if a brother or sister is caught up in a sin, they already feel bad enough about it. Again, we're, we're not talking about those people who were defiantly and rebelliously sinning against God. We're not talking about the person who, who leaves their husband or leaves their wife and says, well, I don't care what God's word says, I'm going to be happy. Those people don't need gentleness. They need a swift kick in the butt. This is talking about the person who is caught in sin but wants to be free. And so when you go to them, you don't go, boy, you're such a loser. I mean, you, you don't know what the Word of God says? Because they're going to drop their head and they're going to start crying because they know what the Word of God says. They want to live in the freedom of God's Word. They're just caught. And they don't know how. And so we're gentle with them. A knife can be used to heal or it can be used to kill. When we restore people, we're using the word of God not to kill and tear down. We're using the word of God to restore and build up. I've got to be honest with you. I, I, I wish... I would have had someone come alongside of me in my life when I was a teenager and restore me. I got saved when I was eight years old. There is no question in my mind about that. But because of insecurities and, and inferiorities and because of a desire to be accepted, I fell into some things. And you need to understand, hear my heart. When I say I fell into it, I didn't go looking for it. It found me. And for a period of my life, as I got caught in this sin, it was miserable. I would literally, I would literally cry myself to sleep at night. Because I knew that God loved me. And he had a much better plan for me. And, and yet I was caught in this sin. And, and i got to be honest, during this time, I, I didn't have anybody that came up beside me and said, Here, let me help you get free. We need that in the church. Restore those who are called in a trespass. But, but then there's a second thing this passage says we're to do. We're to carry each other's burdens. Now, a burden isn't necessarily a sin. A burden is simply a weight that is too heavy to handle alone. It, it may be a weight that has come because of a trial. It may be a weight that has come from a tribulation. But, but that weight is just is just bearing down on the person and they can't handle it and they're about to give up. If you've ever lifted weights, you've particularly if you've ever bench pressed, you know that when you bench press and you're, you're lifting heavy weights, you need a spotter there. 
And the spotter is there to help you with the weight if the weight gets too heavy for you. And that's what we're to do in life. Now, this isn't saying that we enable people. We don't do that. In verse 5, it says that we are to carry our own loads. So you see, we as believers, we come alongside others and help with their burdens. We don't help with their loads. Their loads are their responsibilities. And if we take on people's loads, we are going to enable them. And in the end, we are going to hurt them. And so when it comes to the family of God, we are to restore and we're to bear one another's burdens. Now let's get practical for just a minute. We don't have a lot of time, so let's do this quickly. We've got 3,792 members. It's a lot, isn't it? 3,792. You say, how do you know that? I looked it up this morning. <laughs> 3,792. I, I would say in a given month, we probably have 2,000 of those members maybe walk through our doors. Now, I'm not talking about you who attend regularly who haven't chosen to become a part of our church family yet. I'm talking about those who are members. They've committed. They've united. They've decided to be a part of our church. And so what that means is, is well over a thousand of our people are totally unaccounted for. Maybe, just maybe, some of them were never believers to begin with, and that's true. We, we know that. They joined the church, but they didn't join with Jesus, and they were never redeemed. But the truth of the matter is, there are a number of those people who were redeemed. Jesus changed their life. But they got caught up in a sin. Or the cares of this world burdened them down. And they fell out. And they fell off. And we've forgotten about them. And yet they're still our family. We can't do that. I mean, we can't, we can't sit back and say, well, if they wanted to come, they could come. You don't do that with your family. No, you do everything to bring them back home, don't you? And that's what we're... We've got to do, and that's what we're going to do. And, and that's why we're going to establish a restore initiative where we seek to reach out diligently to every one of our members who haven't been here for six months and seek to restore them to where they need to be with Jesus. Brothers and sisters, you who are spiritual, restore those who are caught up in sin. Bear one another's burdens. But there's one other thing we see here, and that's this. We need to realize the same thing can happen to us. Galatians 6 verse 1 goes on to say, But watch yourself, or you also will be tempted. What, what this is literally saying is don't get so caught up in keeping your eye on other people that you get careless and you don't watch out for yourself. The, the truth of the matter is, regardless of how long you've been a Christian, you too can fall to sin. 
And you can fall to any sin. And so don't get careless. Don't get self-righteous. Don't look at what one person does and say, that could never happen to me because I want you to know anything could happen to you. The sin that you presently despise can become the sin that holds you captive. In 1 Corinthians 10 verse 12, Paul says this, so be careful. If you were thinking, oh, I would, I would never behave like that, let this be a warning to you. For you too may fall to sin. And so as we look at people and we're seeking to restore them, those who have gotten caught up in a trespass, those who are weighed down under the burdens and the cares of life, don't sit back and say, I would handle it different than that. I wouldn't let that happen to me. I would never fall to that sin. Don't do that. Guard your heart. Guard your life. Because it can happen to you. So what do we need to do? We need to restore our brothers and sisters who are caught up in sin. We need to carry the burdens, bear the burdens of those who are caught up under the weight of this world. And as we do this, did you hear what Paul said? We will be fulfilling the law of Christ. That's what we're called to do. Restoring isn't easy. It's tough. It's painful. It takes patience. But we're called to do it. So I want you to bow your head with me right now. With your head bowed and with your eyes closed. If you're here and you're a part of Northside. And you've been here for a while. I want you just to think about someone who is still a part of our church family. Who has gotten caught into sin. Who has gotten weighed down under the burdens of life. And right now, in this moment, I want you to take them to the throne of God. Chances are, if you immediately came up with a name, God may be putting that name on your heart for you to reach out to them. Let's pray for those who need to be restored. Father God, so many. There are so many who are part of our family, who are caught in sin. There's so many who are part of our family who are weighed down under the burdens of this life. And they're discouraged. They're living in defeat. The truth is, some of them may have already given up. And all I can ask you to do is forgive us where we failed. Help us to take seriously our responsibility 
recognizing that if we needed restoration, we would want someone to step in. Lord, I pray that even at this moment you will touch hearts and you will begin this process of restoration through your Holy Spirit. I pray this in Jesus' name. And with your head still bowed, your eyes still closed. I would be amiss if I, if I didn't give the opportunity for some of you to be reconciled with Christ. You may be here this morning and you're not a Christ follower. You've never surrendered your life to him. You've never trusted his death on the cross to save you. His spirit has never come into you and made you new. And if you need to be reconciled with God, and that's the desire of your heart this morning, then I encourage you to pray this prayer. Dear God, Forgive me. I believe that you love me. I believe you came to this earth. You died on the cross to pay for all my sins so that I could be made right with God. Right here, in this moment, I'm giving my life to you. Fill me with your spirit. Make me new, I pray.